Well, good morning. Oh, and then right away I dropped the mic. All right. It was working, and then <laughs> we will see. All right, a little different in here, but I can see you all without turning my head, so that's kind of neat. Continuing, uh, Advent, the Word became flesh. John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, that's what we're focusing on. The Apostle John uh, as he talked about what they had seen, and it was a, a testimony that as the believers, as the apostles were uh, writing and then proclaiming what they had seen and, and witnessed firsthand, uh, we are reminded of our responsibility to do the same as faithful believers. What was the purpose? More than Christmas being about a nice excuse to spend time with family, give and receive gifts, Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That was the purpose, to seek and to save the lost. And so over the next few weeks, as you gather with family and friends, uh, maybe uh, Christmas parties, uh, we had a, uh, a Christmas party at Spaghetti Factory on Friday night. The whole time as I'm enjoying my spaghetti and I'm getting to know some of my wife's coworkers that, that teach alongside her, uh, I, was, I was looking for opportunities to talk about Jesus. And, and it, it's hard to do because that's not why a lot of people are gathered there. They're gathered there for a party. And uh, thankfully, uh, in the middle of our uh, conversation, the, uh, the principal's husband said, so I understand you're a pastor. Can you tell me about that? Cause I'm looking for a church now. Now here's the thing that doesn't happen often. People don't normally come up to you and go, you know, I'm looking for a church. Could you tell me about yours? Instead, what has to happen is you have to go to them and say, you know, what we do is, is we gather together and we support one another as we, we kind of deal with life. And uh, uh, I didn't invite them. It was a bit of a drive. I did point them to Church in the Valley, Ontario Ranch, a little bit closer for them. Uh, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That was his purpose. He made it very clear 
And so you and I, as we uh, respond and react to the birth of the baby, who is Jesus, we need to always have that first and foremost in our minds. How we respond to Jesus is the most important decision we will ever make. And there are people that are not in church this morning, and it will be the most important response to the question of what are you going to do with Jesus, and they may not know that they need to make a response as well. See, it's not enough just to, to when you're asked the question, to say, this is what I believe. It's that there are people that haven't been asked yet by, by you and I. And we need to have that in mind, that they need to know about Jesus so they can respond. It may sound like hyperbole, but we're not simply talking about what you do from 9 to 11 Sunday morning. That's not what I mean. What are you going to do about Jesus? How are you going to respond isn't just about Sunday morning. We're talking about eternity. So how did that day go down? That, that morning, that, that evening, that night, how were things going for Joseph and Mary when Jesus was born? In Luke chapter 2, we get the account, and, and it's very familiar, but it's really important that we read it regularly. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor in Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, which is, I'm sorry, from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and lineage of David, King David. Verse 5, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It amazes me that such a monumental event can occur amidst such relative mundane events. This was the first century Roman version of April 15th tax day. So it would be like you had to go back to the town that your family has always been from and go into the courthouse and sign your name on the dotted line. And then they would say, this is how much you owe in taxes. That was the whole purpose. Amidst that, the most incredible event, the, the birth of Jesus occurred. And we read right over it. But something that is so profound had occurred. And they were told, I'm sorry, there's no empty beds. 
Have you ever had that experience? <laughs> we were doing a mission trip in, uh, in Ensenada and we decided, you know, we're going we're gonna to do this in stages. And so my wife and I, we, we, we did the first leg was to go to uh, San Diego. We're going to stay, drive into Ensenada the next day and then uh, serve in this orphanage. And, and we didn't plan ahead of time. And so we get down there to San Diego. We actually had a nice dinner and then trying to find a hotel on a Friday night in San Diego. And we went from hotel to hotel and on the phone and sorry, we don't have any room. And my wife, not expecting a child said, it's not a big deal. We're bound to find a room. We just kept going further and further South until thankfully uh, it was about 11 o'clock. We do have a bed. Oh, good. So we can go to sleep. Imagine though that you'd now just traveled over land on a donkey by foot and you get there and they said, sorry, you're out of luck. There's no room. And amidst that is when Jesus was born. It, it might sound trite, but will you make room for Jesus? And it sounds, sounds kind of cheesy, right? Is there a room? Is there a bed? But in our culture, that means time. I think you understand that. How much time will you carve out for Jesus? Amidst the next few weeks and the, the busyness, how much time will you carve out for Jesus? I think so many people go through their, their just daily life, their activities, without taking that time to reflect on what matters most. Life is about wake, eat, sleep, repeat. We just go through the motions. Yet the most important events going on around us really do require us to stop and reflect. And I, I know some, it's kind of a personality thing. Some of us tend to be more retrospective than others. But it is incredibly important that we all stop and take time to reflect on what matters the most. It was Socrates who said that the unexamined life is not worth living. Well, I don't think that's true. But it is very important that we examine, reflect, weigh, judge. And what it comes down to is what matters most. And, and Christmas, as much as we like the tree, gathering together and the gifts, the food, the desserts, as much as we enjoy all of that, it is so not important compared to what really does matter, the way we respond to Jesus. That means setting aside quality time, quantity time, not just what's left over, right? At the end of the day, it's, it's what's left over. Well, let me think about the birth of Jesus now. There's a reason why in the Psalms it says, uh, I will meet you in the morning, right? We, we meet God at the beginning of the day. 
It doesn't mean your quiet time necessarily has to be every morning before you leave the house, but, but it does mean you don't wait until the end of the day. Because if you're like me, you wait till the end of the day, you realize you wake up going, well, I just fell asleep trying to read scripture, trying to, to spend time in prayer. We don't just put it at the end when, eh, it's not that important anyway. I would like to RSVP for some time with Jesus unless something better comes along. You know, we, we carve it out at the beginning when it matters. So there they are. They're, they're not in a hotel room. There were no beds left. And so basically a barn, a manger. Imagine the smells. Imagine the dirt. I grew up with horses and sheep and goats and chickens. And I can imagine the smell of that manger. And at the same time, in in, uh, verse 8 of chapter 2, it says, In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch of their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear, which I think is the correct response. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you when you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased and the angels went away from them into heaven and the shepherds said to one another let us go over to bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the lord has made known to us and they went with haste And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. All right, so this is the correct response. Right? The example is set. A little bit of fear. A whole lot of awe. A whole lot of this is incredible. The angels and the shepherds celebrating the birth of Jesus. Are you excited about what Jesus has done for you? Are you excited? Right? Is is it just, well, this is just kind of part of my life. Or are you excited? I'm always in in awe of our brothers and sisters that that have come out of a lifestyle that that maybe has been characterized by drug or alcohol abuse, criminal activity, and they they meet Jesus because they tend to be the most excited. 
the most vocal about what God has done in their life. Uh, church that I pastored, we ran a ministry where every Wednesday night we, we had people come in. We sent out the church van and we picked up people from uh, men's homes and, and we opened the church. We fed them a meal. We did a service. And the first thing they would do is they'd come right to me and say, Pastor, uh, we're so grateful. We don't eat like this at the home we're in. We get to come here. And you guys are so nice. And you tell us about Jesus. And we make a point of going back. And the guys that didn't come, we invite them. You got to come. You got to know what's going on. You got to hear. And it's incredibly humbling to know that, that people that have, that have at some point in their life were, were down and out and so excited about what God has done that by the time they leave and come back, they've told people. And I wonder how many of my people that were there every week when they left and then came back, how many people they told about what they had learned and heard and experienced. Will you respond with excitement and awe? You see, why would anyone else be excited if we're not? Right? If we want people to to hear about Jesus and go, I want to learn more. Why would they ask if we're not excited about it? Imagine getting your dream job receiving a full-ride scholarship, or getting the call to be on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> or any number of other really cool things, right? Exciting news. What do you do? We're people that take pictures of our food to tell people about it. Instead, we know the greatest event in human history. Do we talk about it? We are intimately connected to the creator of the universe through our savior, Jesus Christ. Who are you telling about that? I once met the skipper from Gilligan's Island. Now, some of you are are maybe a little younger and you don't remember. I watched Gilligan's Island in syndication. And... It was on multiple times every day in black and white and in color. Our TV, I think, was black and white. That's why. I don't know. Maybe it was in color. And, and I met the skipper from Gilligan's Island, Alan Hale. The measure of how excited I am about Jesus always compares to that. I want to make sure that I talk more about Jesus than I talk about meeting the skipper. I want to make sure that I'm more excited about what God has done in my life than I am about anything else. Now, there are so many things that have surpassed that event. I got married. I've had three kids. I've had the opportunity to pastor churches. I get to teach in a university that, that proclaims the great commission. 
I want to make sure that I'm more excited about what Jesus has done in my life than I am even about those things. And those are really, really cool things. So there it is. What kind of response have you had? Notice what they did. They wanted to learn more. They were so excited. They go, let's go find out. And the, the words that are used, we don't know exactly how far, but they go, let's go over to Bethlehem. It wasn't like walking out the door and going, hey, there they are. There were shepherds that would have been walking in the door. Let's, let's go find more. No, it's let's go over there. Let's, let's get there and find out. I want to know who they left behind to watch the sheep. So they all got to go find out because they had to leave someone. It says they got there and they were filled with awe. And that when they did, it says they made known. Not just, okay, we know about this. Now it's a secret. It's our secret. No, they went and they made it known. When they made it known, it says all who heard wondered. Wonder if, I wonder, if that has ever been used to describe our feelings, our excitement, our enthusiasm. Has anybody ever thought about you and went, hmm, I wonder why they're so excited. I wonder what's different. The, the, the travesty of the, the 21st century church is that we're not quite as excited for others to see as we, we think we are. We ought to be so excited about what God has done that it is evident to all. Continuing in verse 25 of chapter 2. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. Waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord, the Lord's Christ, right? The Messiah. Verse 27, he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to him for his, to do for him according to the custom of the law, circumcision. Verse 28 he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your work, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon's account, and Simeon's not the only one. Anna was, was there about the same time, and I chose just to share Simeon. Uh, Simeon, his whole goal, God, I want to see you work. I want to see that you're going to do this thing. And, and, and the Holy Spirit told him, you're going to see it. It's going to happen this way. And he was waiting for it. And his whole purpose was to go, this is now what God has done. Will you trust and believe 
through faith. Others need to see the value of what we believe. They need to see that because God is at work in your life, there's something different about you. Like Simeon. The words that were used to describe Simeon, he was righteous and devout. Righteous just means in a right relationship with God. Devout having to do with his his sticking with it, right? He was committed to it. People knew that about him. Will you trust and believe in the same way? Let's be clear, the birth of any baby is a blessing and a joy. The birth of this baby was unique and unrivaled in all of the history of the universe. But not everybody was happy about it. You realize that? It's like, you know, Scrooge, who's just now humbug. There were people that were humbug at the very first Christmas. The wise men came looking for the baby. King Herod felt threatened. Matthew Chapter 2, verse 26, it, it tells us, uh, 16, excuse me, not 26. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. So he basically said, when you find the baby, come back to me so that I too might go and worship. I even think there was a, uh, that, that ominous music playing in the background when he said it. He felt tricked. He became furious. He sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Talk about feeling threatened. Kill them all. Let's make sure that I can't be replaced as king. Even though some react in disbelief, even anger, we're to trust the Lord. There will be people that will react with anger, right? So, so there you are excited about what God has done, like the wise men going out and going, we're, we're on our way. We're going to go worship. We're, we've got gifts for him. You might be excited about what God has done in your life. And there are going to be people around you that aren't as excited about what God is doing in your life. They're going to be mad about some of the things that you will no longer participate in. There, there will be some, they're like, Really? You got to get up and go to church? We, we kind of got family things today. Why are you going there again? Really? This is important? It's not important. Just come on. There, there will be things that you used to do that because you're not doing them anymore, people are going to feel judged. I know for me, it was... Uh, there, was, there was issues of, of alcohol and language that I didn't participate in. 
as a new believer. My family, they didn't get it at first. It took time. I had friends. What do you mean you don't want to do this? Come on, this is what we do. And I went, I don't feel right doing that. Right? I was, I was under conviction. And because I was committed in faith to trust God, there were things that I no longer did. Some people, they, they went, wait a minute. So you're telling me what I'm doing is wrong? I didn't say anything about you. I'm talking about me and my relationship with the Lord. Ah, but from their perspective, me saying no meant I was telling them they were wrong. Not everybody's going to be happy about it. But will you trust that God has a plan, that he's going to work in you, and it's going to be worthwhile. Galatians 4, 4 and 5, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's, that's the gospel, right? That the God sent us that we might receive him, that we would be forgiven of our sins and that we would be adopted as, as children, children of God. Now, God has done an incredible work in, in me, in my family. That's exciting. And there's still going to be some opposition There's going to be people not excited. There's going to be people at work, at school, in your family, in your neighborhood that that aren't excited. And they want Christmas to be very much about trees and lights and and food and presents. Santa, right? Maybe some fun things. They want it to be about that. And they're even fine with the baby in the manger, There's a problem because the baby grew up and that same Jesus who taught made people really mad to the point where they wanted him arrested and crucified. And he did. If we would leave the baby in the manger, people would be fine. But Jesus didn't stay in the manger. Jesus went to the cross and he didn't stay dead, right? He went to the grave and on the third day he was resurrected. See, we can't get past Easter. That's where we have to be excited. He was born, but he was born that he might pay for our sins that we could be saved. I have some next steps for you today. First of all, My next step today is to believe Jesus is the son of God who died on the cross for me. I will trust him as the boss of my life. If that's something you haven't done and you're like, I'm not sure. It it is as simple as just saying, God, please save me. I believe. If you want to, you haven't done that before and now's the time. You want to pray, I'd pray with you. I know there's some, some leaders here that would, that would gladly pray with you. Uh, put that on your connection card. I know there's a, uh, a box to check saying, saying, I want more information about that. And then the last one there, my next step today 
is to, in faith, trust God with my concerns and my struggles. Christmas can be hard. It can be hard for a lot of us for various reasons, right? This might be the time of year you're, you're without family. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust he's got a plan. I know that he does. And so I have, I have hope in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are loving and gracious, that you sent your son to die on the cross for us, that we might believe and be saved. Father, I pray for each one here that we understand what Christmas is about. That it is not just the trees and the presents and the parties and, and as nice as those are and as encouraging and, uh, and fun. And Father, we understand that Christmas is very much about Jesus, about our Savior. Father, help us to make it about, about you. That we would take the opportunity, we would respond as people of faith and, and with excitement and awe, enthusiasm and hope. It would be evident to those around us what you have done, what you desire to do in their lives too. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.